everybody. Ben Fredrickson here alongside Dave Matter for this week's Eye on the Tigers podcast here at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Talking Mizzou basketball, also going to dig into some Mizzou football fodder as we have the news now that Texas and Oklahoma will be joining the SEC for 2024. We figured that would happen um, sooner rather than later, and now it's on schedule. So we'll dig into what the conference schedule could look like for Mizzou. We'll do that after we talk some hoops, Dave. What a whirlwind, man. Uh, The Missouri Tigers are on top of the world, knocking off Tennessee in Knoxville. A Tennessee team that people might have wondered, well, they're, you know, they're they're falling apart. They've lost on back-to-back buzzer beaters. Then they turn around and, and beat Alabama at home, the first conference loss for the Crimson Tide. So Tennessee's still pretty good. And Missouri beat yeah. that team. Then goes to Auburn and looked like uh the first five threes didn't go in and they turned out the lights for the night. An Auburn team that just really ran them out of the gym. What do you make of, of these back-to-back games for the Tigers? Well, it was a it was a wild week. I was at both games. Um and the, the Tennessee game, it felt like three different games. It was like the first one was Missouri just dominating for like the first 25 minutes. I mean, they were putting on just a show offensively against a great defensive team. I mean, the fans there were just, they were stunned that it was going that way. And then Tennessee makes a comeback, which you expect. Uh, a little help from all the fouls that, that they were calling on Missouri. And then just a, a meltdown from the Vols, which we've seen before. And Missouri took advantage and the DeAndre Golston shot, um, I think it was the only shot he made all week, it seemed like, but it, it went in. And uh, what a finish. And then I, I, we probably should have expected what happened next, maybe not losing by 33 points, but Missouri was going to come down emotionally. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how many times between my trip to Tennessee and my trip to Auburn, I heard the term house money. Uh, I think people feared that that the Tigers would go into Auburn feeling like, okay, they already got one on the road. Um, they can maybe put this one in cruise control. And it just looked like it. Like there just was no urgency on their end, on either end of the floor. Auburn was playing uh, and they were feeding off their coach. I mean, you know, Bruce Pearl's a maniac and, and they were playing like that, like they had to win that game. Cause he said they did, they called it a must win game. And um, it was, it was kind of to be expected, not to that degree, but it made sense in the end after you watch both games. Yeah, a few things hurt me more than praising Bruce Pearl. It actually <laughs> gives me physical agony, but credit to him for having that team ready to roll. And and I think he had communicated to the to his Tigers effectively that if they wanted to feel like they were a team that belonged in the NCAA tournament, they could not cough up a game to Missouri at home after the, some of the games they have lost recently. And they came out and played like a team that could be incredibly dangerous in the yeah. SEC tournament and beyond. Now, maintaining that consistency is is what keeps every coach up at night. And I'm sure Gates is wondering what happened between between Knoxville and Auburn as well. Is it, a, is it a simple enough to say, Dave, that this team can kind of be determined its direction every night by what happens with its first five three-pointers because it feels like if three of the five go in the first ones they shoot lights look out I mean no matter how far they're down they can come back no matter you know they might just run away with the game and and run a really good team out of the out of the gym like we've seen them do with you know Kentucky I don't know if you'd say a really good team but Illinois is a good team they they yeah. ran out of the gym I mean they can they can take off like a rocket against just about anybody so I'm doing it against Iowa State, but they're hitting threes and creating turnovers is the other part. But 
it seems like if those first few threes don't fall, they didn't make a single one in the yep. first half of Auburn. It almost is kind of like, well, not their night. Right. And, and it's usually the threes. Yeah. That is the kind of the uh, signal that it's going to be a good or a bad night, but even at Auburn, it was layups. I mean, they missed three bunnies at the rim very early and it just, it seemed like it took any wind out of their sails that they had. I don't think they had a whole lot anyway. And it really seemed to impact them on the defensive end too. Like they were, almost playing like they were afraid of contact, like they knew that they would get called for a foul if they had any contact at all, which is usually the case on the road anyway. And um, Auburn just had its way with them almost every possession, it seemed like. And nobody really got on track. You know, Kobe Brown was seemed a little passive. Um, DeAndre Golston, he tried to play hero, and it did not work. He was one of 10 shooting, and Demoy Hodge never really got into the game. I thought the play of the game that just kind of embodied what was going on, two of them really, Muhammad Diarra went up for a dunk and just wedged the ball between the backboard and the rim and it got stuck. Sean East had to jump up and pop it loose during a timeout. Uh, that, That wasn't pretty. And then later, Noah Carter had a fast break, had the ball under the basket. There was a smaller defender on him. But instead of just going up for a layup or even trying to get fouled, he, he threw it out to Nick Honor for an open three and honor even looked at him. It happened right in front of me. Honor looked at him like, why are you throwing this to me? Like a three is really not that much more valuable than a two when we're down, you know, 24 to two or whatever it was at the time. So uh, they just looked very discombobulated. And um, you know, to Dennis Gates's credit after the game, he, he didn't say, Hey, I saw this coming, but you know, I, what, what can you say at halftime of a game like that? You're not, you're not going to be able to magically turn things around. Auburn was playing possessed and uh, and they're probably a better team than what their record looks like recently. And and I think Missouri is a better team than, you know, the product they put on the floor the other night, too. I agree. And I think, you know, I think we said going into this road trip, if they grab a win here, that'd be good. So I'm yeah. not going to try to rewrite history. It was a bad loss at Auburn, but it was a, an outstanding win at Tennessee. I mean, one that has been one that has been proven by what Tennessee just turned around and was able to do against Alabama so you turn the page on that and now it's it's back home for two games but this first one and the second one I mean they've got two tough teams here two teams that they have lost to previously on the road and now they get the home games and they're the kind of games you know they're going to be tough because you know Missouri doesn't have great matchups against A&M right Mississippi State but also not the games that you're going to feel good about for your net rankings if you lose them at home. Um, that's, that's the reality. A&M is playing way better. I, I don't think they're getting nearly enough credit, but they also haven't played their, some of their toughest games. They don't play Alabama yeah. till the end of the regular season. Um, they have some, some tougher games ahead. So we'll find out really what the Aggies are about. And we saw firsthand how Mississippi state can give Mizzou fits uh, based off how they're built. So these next two games are, are sneaky big for this group kind of before there's never a soft, spot in the sec day but before you really get what you should have three wins to finish up the regular season georgia lsu and and old miss to wrap this thing up but these next two against the aggies and the bulldogs they're pretty big yeah they are i think i think missouri goes four and one they're fine uh to get into the ncaa tournament probably even three and two depending on who the twos are to but it would be nice for them to be able to win this game saturday just maybe for like some psychological reasons, like maybe they could finally match up against a team that they're not really supposed to match up very well with, but A&M is tough. They've won 13 of 15. They've got four road wins in the SEC. They have swept Auburn. They've they've beat them twice, home and away. They've swept Florida home and away. 
So they've got some quality wins on their resume and they play a very distinct style. Uh, they lead the country in percentage of points from the free throw line. Like they just live at the foul line. So they're going to look to try to draw contact. This game is officiating is going to be really important for this game, just on how, how fouls are called. Um, they play pretty good defense. They're just a tough minded team under Buzz Williams. They've won in Columbia before. Uh, so yeah, Missouri should have no problem finding motivation for this game, you know, after, uh, you know, losing at AM already this year, uh, this game's not going to make or break your net. Uh, but, but AM is ahead of them. They're 31 as we record this Missouri is 49. So our four, 49, 44, I lose track 49. I think um, Mississippi, State? Mississippi state is, they are like a, a true bubble team right now. Um, you, you see their name coming up as a team that is either like first one out last one in somewhere around there uh in the net mississippi state is 44 so they're above missouri too wow i didn't know that Um, yeah and and uh even though they have a losing record in the sec yeah but they start off really well so they played played their non-conference schedule i mean missouri's still getting dragged down but i used to knock the non-conference schedule but it actually worked out because i think it got this team prepared to have the season that it's had but it is still dinging them for folks wondering what's going on with Missouri's net. You've explained this and, and done a great job of it. it. A lot of it is the the non-conference schedule they had, which had great games in it against Illinois, against Kansas. Right. But outside of that was largely, I mean, it's not really debatable. It was one of the softest for, for a high major team in the country. Um, Gates clearly planted that way and it looked smart now, but it, that's the baggage, some of the baggage they're carrying here. Right. And it wasn't just that they played mid-majors. Everybody plays mid-majors. They played some of the worst. Right. Like if you're looking at, their Ken Palm numbers, Lindenwood, 342, Mississippi Valley State, 357, Houston Christian, 354. It's it's You don't see high major teams playing three teams in the 300s. SEMO uh, at 268, I mean, relatively speaking, that's a tougher game, much tougher game. So that's, that's what's dragging down the strength of schedule is the fact that they played three really, really bad teams. Um, and it, it, you think maybe it balances out a little bit by playing Kansas, Illinois, and Iowa State, but it still still drags that down. And their defensive efficiency numbers—that's um, what also drags the net down because the net does take into account your offensive and defensive efficiency. Missouri's offensive numbers are really good. Defense really bad, really bad with other teams that are in the field, uh, and that's just because they give up so many points. Like both games last week, eighty-five at Tennessee, eighty-nine at Auburn. Um, that's a lot in college basketball. So they're still good in the NCAA tournament. All the projections have them in. We can talk about a couple of them that are interesting right now. Um, but they do need to, that they can't just go on cruise control through these final five games and just expect to waltz into the tournament. They're going to have to play well. I want to talk about the projections. You mentioned the defense and we've focused a lot on the offense. Hey, we like offense. It's fun to see the ball go in the basket, tempo, is 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 pleasant this team can shoot which is great and they've got a defensive foothold in that they're really good at creating turnovers they're one of the best at creating turnovers and then turning those turnovers into points i mean there's an identity there that is fun to watch but if you're not turning opponents over this team doesn't defend well They, they don't defend the three they don't rebound and they 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 don't they don't stop anybody who can get the ball inside with the big and I feel kind of like a, like I'm being negative pointing these things out because this has been a very encouraging season for the Tigers. I do think some of that defensive 
uh, weakness will improve as Gates continues to build teams. I mean, he's going to recruit some guys. He's look at his class that he's got incoming. He's got some longer, rangier guys who maybe can over time match up a little bit better with some of these guys from Auburn, from Alabama, who are who are really giving the Tigers fits inside. If you lock Aiden Shaw in the weight room and throw away the key for the offseason, maybe he's a little more ready next right. season as a, as a sophomore than he is right now. So not panicking, but that is the biggest concern about this team right now. And it's not close is that it's not, will I make Isaiah Mosley play or not? I mean, they've won some of their best games without him. That's right. going to be the nightly story. It's can they defend well enough to make any sort of significant tournament run or, or statement? Because it's great when the shots fall and you can outshoot the team. And if, if you are getting those steals, then that counts as defense. But if the, the first three or four or five threes don't fall and the other team's taking care of the ball, how does this team find a way to win in a tournament yeah. against a good team? And, and that's that if they if they get knocked early, that's going to be why. Yeah, we've seen time after time, bad three point shooting teams have their best night of the year against Missouri. Auburn, this is their worst three point shooting team under Bruce Pearl ever, like in his coaching time in the Division One. And they shot nine of 18 the other night. You know, Arkansas is not a good three-point shooting team. They've had big nights against Missouri. Mississippi State, the same thing. So uh, they they leave guys open. They don't close out very well, it seems like, if they don't get the steal at times. And, um, yeah, I do think missing not having Trago Million hurts because he is a good on-ball defender. He's smart. He's tough. Uh, Ronnie DeGray is a better defender than he is offensive player at times. They don't have him. Mosley is just he's not a great defender, but he's a body out there. And I think I think having him uh, can't hurt on the defensive end when you're giving up issues on the perimeter. Uh, he is a guy that can get some steals, too. So, uh, yeah, they're they're hurting in that area right now. They've got to outscore people like they did at Tennessee. And it sounds elementary, but that's the way they have to win because they do give up a lot of points. Um, you want to talk about the, the seedings and some of the bracket? Uh, projections right now because they're still you know the bracket matrix has them as an aggregate eight seed right there borderline seven eight so they're in good shape I mean you don't want nobody likes playing the eight nine game but good um, shape to get in that's a brutal brutal game not good shape to to be on the bracket necessarily as an eight and you're the teams that are right around their neighborhood same projection areas you got Iowa Michigan State Duke Northwestern Providence, Maryland, Auburn. So those are kind of some of the teams to pay attention to. You, you, you'd like to see lose if you want to see Mizzou move up in the world. Uh, and then always, too, you got to root for the teams they've beaten. You know, that helps their net ranking. So that's good for, for Missouri that Tennessee beat Alabama. Now, maybe it's not good for the SEC standings if you want a higher finish, uh, but it's good for your net. You know, root for Illinois, root for Kentucky, root for Iowa State. Root for Kansas and Iowa State. Oh, I, don't yeah, know about the, I don't know about that other one. The student section might disagree. There you go. Um, So Joe Lenardi, as of Friday, uh, he's got Missouri in an 8-9 game against Duke. Uh, Hmm. That would be pretty interesting. In Des Moines, so drivable. I like that. But but playing Duke in the 8-9, that would be super interesting. And then the winner would get uh, Kansas, assuming Kansas could win its 1-16 game. So um, an 8-9 is not a great place to be, but but slotting Mizzou in a regional that's close or in a in a – game that's close um you know that is better than maybe shipping them out to sacramento or albany where fans can't go and where they've got a long road road trip for i'll say this if dennis gates in his first season could make the tournament as a seven or eight seed play a watered down duke team that is missing coach k but the brand is still very strong 
knock the Blue Devils out of the tournament and then go down, say, okay, I'll be a realist, go down swinging against Kansas, but in a but in a better performance than you had against the Jayhawks when they crushed the Tigers in Como. Right. I don't think Mizzou, well, I know Mizzou fans never like the idea of losing to Kansas, but to, to show improvement against the defending national champion that embarrassed you at home after knocking Duke out of the tournament, that would be a, I think it's, I think that would be a pretty strong first season if that's the way that, that played out. For sure. For sure. Kind of reminds me of uh, the 2000 NCAA tournament where it was Quinn Snyder's first year and Missouri was in the eight, nine game and they played North Carolina and, you know, he was a Duke guy and yeah. eight, nine and the winner got Stanford back when Stanford was good at basketball. Um, I had to look that up. I, I remember they played North Carolina in the eight, nine game and it was a, it was a competitive game. They, they lost. Um, but yeah, first year coach in that eight, nine game against the blue blood would be interesting. Uh, Jerry Palm at CBS has Missouri in the seven ten as the seven seed playing Florida Atlantic in the 10. Uh, they've been a surprise team, you know, that's, that's been nationally ranked. I know their head coach, Dusty May. He's a, I've known him for a long time since college. He went to Indiana um, and uh, was a fraternity brother of a really good friend of mine. And we went and stayed there one weekend while that, while I was on spring break. Was Larry Dusty, Stacy there? No, no, oh. but Dusty was a student manager for the time for Bobby Knight. And that's where he got his, his start in coaching. And now he's the head coach at Florida Atlantic has a nationally ranked team. He's going to take them to the NCAA tournament most likely. Uh, so yeah, great, great story there. I like Dusty. That'll be, that'd be fun if they play that. And the winner would get Virginia in the second round in Greensboro. If you know, that's just Jerry's, uh, Jerry's projection. So I think seven, 10 game would be, uh, would be better for Missouri than getting in the eight, nine game. I like this, uh, this spot where you're, where you're, it, it is, we're recording this the morning of February 17th. Missouri is coming off of a very disappointing loss. And we're feeling comfortable enough about the way things are going to shake out to talk NCAA tournament projections. This is, this is, this is good. This is, uh, I don't think, and I don't think we're out ahead of our skis. Now, if the bottom drops out, maybe we look like fools, but I will say this, this team has built up some goodwill when it comes to how they'll respond. You right. and I have talked about this on previous podcasts, but I'll keep mentioning it because I hear it mentioned about some of the best teams when you when you hear the the analysts, the commentators, the you know the kind of the the guys who talk about the bullet points that get repeated all across college basketball. One of the things they talk about good teams is they don't they don't lose back to back games. Right. And this team, no one's talked about it for some reason, but they haven't lost back to back games since like mid January. Now yeah. it was A and M that that gave them one of those, the first of of two. But I, I think that you know they have done a good job of of shaking off losses, whether they're lopsided or or close, and moving forward, moving on. And I think you got to give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that that they'll be able to do that after this Auburn game. Now it doesn't guarantee they beat A and M. That's a good team. Um, I, I wrote last week. I, I of course I wrote an article saying Dennis Gates deserves a hard look for. SEC coach of the year before they went out and got nuked against uh, <laughs> Auburn, which great timing on my part there. But uh, Buzz Williams is another guy who's absolutely got to be in that discussion. And we'll see how the Aggies finish up. But I still think Gates could be in that in that group. Um, I think Nate Oates should be in that group, although not no longer undefeated in conference play. But I think Gates is right up there. And, and I think part of the reason is this team has responded well to losses. Um, so 
give them the benefit of doubt that they can continue that trend, whether they turn around and beat A&M or not, we will see. Dave, let's talk some football because we were at SEC Media Days together when the uh, when the news dropped that yep. well, Texas and Oklahoma were coming, and the question was, well, when? Um, and it kind of felt like, you know, there were contracts and there's TV money involved and everybody had to get it, you know, turn it political and it was going to be, it was going to be a mess, but we all agreed that it needed to happen sooner rather than later because lame duck seasons for two of the biggest schools in the big 12 didn't make a lot of sense. And now we have a resolution, Oklahoma and Texas are joining in 2024, not this upcoming football season, but the next. And that's pretty fast because there's, there's, there's gotta be, logistics about how you add two teams here greg sankey has said he wants this scheduling format figured out before spring meetings which are coming up in in may what do you think this looks like it sure sounds like there's a lot of momentum and 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 the league is really leaning toward playing an additional conference game having those three permanent rivals and then rotating everybody else through on a semi biannual basis right that's that's kind of the prevailing uh idea is that what's going to happen. They're going to get rid of the East and West divisions and which, which I think is good just for the, the league, because they're kind of arbitrarily drawn up anyway. Why is Missouri in the East with teams from different time zones? Um, So instead it will be uh, you play more conference games. So everybody will be a little bit more tested. You can't play everybody in football. Can't play everybody in heck in baseball either. They don't play everybody. Uh, And then you'll take the top two teams at the end of the, season and they'll play each other for the championship and also 2024 also coincides when they expand the playoff to 12 teams so you can finish third or fourth in the sec and maybe you don't go to atlanta for the championship game but you're still going to be in the college football playoff so it's 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 fine if you don't make the championship game big picture wise uh so i I had some people worried about that that now this will you know missouri will never have a chance to win at a high level if they can't win a division well yeah what if they finish third or fourth and still make the playoffs. So it's, it's still very possible. It's just everything's going to be very different. Um, the question they'll have to figure out then is, do you go to eight or nine games for your conference schedule? And if you go to nine, what's the format going to be? What they want to do is you have a better chance to play everybody and play everywhere. Uh, right now, you know, Missouri just played their first ever game at Auburn last season, and they've been in the league for 11 years. Under this 3-6 model, where you would play the same three teams every year, and then rotate the other six mm-hmm. over a four-year span. Not that every player plays four years for the same school anymore, but if you do play for four years, you will play everybody twice, at least twice, home and away. So you'll get to experience every SEC stadium over a four-year career, which would be great. I think that's something that's really lacking in the way that they do it now. Yeah, I think, you know, there. I've heard from fans sometimes who've said, like, when's it going to feel like, you know, and I think this is, I mean, look, we're talking about, significant amount of years now but I think it would even help continue to ingratiate Mizzou and you know Texas Oklahoma into the SEC by making those trips it's kind of like going to family reunions Um, you know the first ones are awkward maybe and they don't feel like family but you go every year or every other year even and you start to start to feel like you're a part of that and you are a part of that I think that that format makes sense I think the SEC has to lean into playing SEC. Um, you just don't know what the future is going to be. And the circle of the wagons mentality seems to be the way to go. And if you're Vanderbilt or Missouri or, you know, some of these other teams, you might go, man, you really want to keep adding conference games. But 
I, I think it's going to be the focus should be on getting good enough to win those games, not right. advocating and arguing to play easier games. Um, right. th- these are games that fans want to see, fans want to go to, fans want to you know buy tickets to be there when when those teams come to town, and that's got to be what drives this discussion: playing games that people want to see, playing games that 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 lift up the conference as a whole. So I, I like the. The, the nine game idea, I, I think the best we had talked to previously about pods or things like that. Yeah. I think get rid of the divisions, no pods. And this is the way to do it, which leads to the question. And everybody's having this debate is, okay, well, if that's the format and it, it sounds like that's going to be the format. I mean, there's enough reporting from yeah. folks who are tied in like our pal, Ross Dellinger, Ross isn't just pulling stuff out of nowhere. He's, right. he's getting inside Intel um, and he's suggesting that this is the way this very well could go, which leads to the question of, okay, who who are Missouri's three permanent rivals? You have to factor some things in here, Dave. The SEC is going to want to have um, a mix of good, strong opponents and maybe more manageable ones. If you're a team that isn't an SEC heavyweight, that's Missouri. Uh, it maybe gets a little more difficult to figure out which ones are more manageable ones. Um, there will be a, a mad push for lots of teams to have the easiest ones. And there are also entrenched rivalries in the SEC for years that will take precedent. Um, and also ones that just can't be ignored, like Texas is brand new to the league, but Texas has to play A&M annually, and they have to play Oklahoma annually, and they have to, I would think, play Arkansas annually. That's it. Those are your rivals. I and mean, if you put out something different, that that doesn't make a lot of sense, and people are going to be upset. So the league kind of has to have some some honor of some of the longer standing rivalries here, um, and not everybody can play the same people. So it's a little bit of a puzzle. Where do you think Missouri winds up? I think we both agree right away. Oklahoma has to be there. That's 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 the Big Twelve tie back. There's there's way more there than than with Texas um, and also Arkansas because it feels like as much as there has been kind of a natural rivalry created in the, in the SEC, that has been one that's worked a little yeah. bit. And there's, you know, there's the trophy and there's been some, some good games. There's been some, some storylines off the field with Odom going there. He's not there anymore with back before the SEC with, with Mike Anderson going there, there's some, there's and geographically, it makes sense. What's right. the third one? Because you and I consider make cases for three different teams. Right, right. I think the um, if you see enough of these kind of guesses that folks have, and you know, we could sit down and do our own guesses. Uh, I would, I would expect Missouri's third, if if it's Oklahoma and Arkansas, which I believe it would be, to be some, someone between Kentucky, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, maybe Mississippi State, but I, I wouldn't think so. I think they'd want to try to make it be one of the teams they played in the East. Um, I think everyone's going to want to play Vanderbilt, like you said. Is that a is that a game that the SEC really wants to have? I don't know. I think Missouri Kentucky is a better football game, um, you know. But if you're a fan, if you're a Missouri fan, do you do you prefer to play at Nashville every other year and get an easier game on your schedule against Vanderbilt? Maybe. I mean, personal preference. I like I like Lexington more than Nashville. Um, so, and I think it's a better football game. I think it's a better football rivalry. Uh, I think it's something brewing there. Maybe not a big R rivalry, but a lowercase R rivalry. Uh, those teams don't like each other, and they always seem to play pretty compelling games. Um, so, yeah, I I would lean towards Kentucky. I think I think that's just a better experience overall. 
Uh, Vandy, though, I'd get if you're a fan and you want to get a win. Um, more often than not, Missouri has beaten Vanderbilt. So, and, but that goes for everybody in the league too. So, what what do you think? Who would you lean toward? Vandy is makes the sense if like for fans who want to make that drive and like going to Nashville. But other than like the convenience and the fun of going to Nashville, it doesn't do it doesn't do much for me. I think if the SEC offers it up, Missouri jumps on it in a heartbeat. Um, I also think, as you said, there's going to be there's going to be a lot of teams that that want it. Vandy and Ole Miss kind of have a long tenured rivalry. It's kind of a sneaky rivalry a little bit. Tennessee will want Vanderbilt, the home state thing there, which I think makes sense. So that leaves one spot open on the Vanderbilt side. And I'm not sure that that Missouri gets that, uh, even if it wants it, if it prioritizes it. I'm not sure where Missouri's priorities rank in this discussion, <laughs> if, right, if, if right. anywhere. Um, and I try to factor that into how I think. I, I think that the SEC office could say, well, look at South Carolina, where Battle of the Columbias, they've had some good games before. They play for a defined trophy. I mean, no one even mentions it at the mayor's. Right. And that feels like if you're the league doing the league think that may be the direction you go in. But I would argue, and, and I, I hate to, this isn't very good. This wouldn't be good for like, uh, the first take because we we are agreeing but I've been a Kentucky football honk as in terms of like having it be more relevant um for Missouri fans for a while now because they play close games they hate each yeah. other like they don't like each other these yeah. programs they they really they don't and Missouri needs to beat Kentucky and too oftentimes they can't so there's some real it's a challenging game for both teams it's usually very close and, and I think that I think Kentucky Missouri football has kind of become the rivalry that the league hoped Missouri South Carolina would be. Right. And I right. think that if South Carolina Missouri started interesting with going back to kind of how the, the Pinkle era closed and they had some great games, I think that has faded more. And I think the Kentucky Mizzou thing is, has gained some traction. So I, I would, I would be fine with Kentucky. I would probably prefer for interest sake. I would probably prefer Kentucky over Vanderbilt um, but I, I wouldn't, I would be fine with, with South Carolina too. I think I prefer South Carolina and Kentucky over, over Vanderbilt in, in this, in terms of, you know, what's going to be the most interesting game. Missouri can't go through this discussion thinking about, well, where are the wins? They, right. they need to think about having, having a team and a, and a direction of a program where that's, that's not something you build your schedule around. Yeah, and absolutely. I think the, this good thing about this is this is going to force that in we've all, wished for 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 the you know the sepia tone past years where schedules were tougher all around and they might they, I think they're getting tougher in, in yeah. front of our eyes here and you know Missouri's got some big non-conference games scheduled too so I, I would probably rank them in order of Kentucky then South Carolina then Vanderbilt to be honest after some, after Oklahoma and Arkansas right right I think I'd probably agree I, I, I think Lexington is an underrated uh tour stop if you're making um travel plans if you're if you're just a fan i mean it's it's drivable i usually drive there uh you got the distilleries on the way there you can go and spend the day there before the game if it's early enough in the year keeneland the racetrack is open go watch some horse racing before the game um there's a lot to do there i, I like i know people like the honky tonks in nashville but i don't know i feel like once you do that once um you know you, you've been there done that but uh yeah i'm, I'm with you i i wouldn't mind if it's kentucky um so we'll see. I, I, I would expect some clarity on this 
sometime this spring. Uh, they they want to get this moving. We know that SEC, the SEC loves to get schedules out early so fans can start planning and they can uh, start, you know, just projecting things and having that all done. We do know that SEC football media days, it is, it's moving to Nashville this year uh, away from Birmingham. Uh, and last year it was in Atlanta. So it kind of is making the rounds. And Eli Drinkwitz is going to go on day one this year on July 17th, I believe. Uh, along with, off the top of my head, I think Brian Kelly and then maybe Jimbo Fisher. Uh, I know there's just three coaches the first day and definitely Kelly and, and Drinker, two of the first ones. So it's never too early to start thinking about SEC media days already. They haven't even started spring football, but we do know when media days is. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if uh, if the SEC coaches will make an appearance at the Big 12 and SEC media day. That would be uh, should. That would be kind of cool. Um, Matt might have more to say at the SEC one than the uh, in the in the Big 12 one. We'll see if Eli takes some shots at the uh, arriving coaches at uh, at SEC media days. He usually likes to to, to put someone on his uh, on his rib list there. Yeah, um, he just can't. Yeah, I love it. Uh, this is this is good. I I think that people will immediately wonder, okay, why, why are we prioritizing Kentucky? But I think if they look at some of the, the games and some of the reasons we, they think they'll come around on a little bit. I've been ad, trying to advocate for this for Mizzou fans. Like they've got to get over thinking about Kentucky as like a team that they automatically should beat or a team that is not impressive to beat. Like Kentucky's a good football program. Like what Stoops has done there is, very impressive and it says a lot more to beat Kentucky than it does Vanderbilt and Missouri doesn't beat Kentucky nearly often enough so I it's been kind of a metric for how their season is going to go and, and I, I think it has become a more relevant game than some people realize is Tennessee any option because Tennessee's going to have to play they've got to play Alabama right they're going to want to play Florida right uh, and they've got to play Kentucky that's a that they are Vanderbilt they've got to play Vanderbilt. Yeah. Yeah, and they probably want to play Kentucky. They would want to play Kentucky over Missouri because that is kind of a sneaky little game for them too in terms of a rivalry. Yeah, I just think there's too many teams that would be higher on the list that make more sense for Tennessee at this point. And, and if you're playing, if you're playing Florida and Bama, you got to get Vanderbilt. That's yeah, <laughs> that's going to be their argument. If I'm Missouri, I don't want to play Tennessee right now every year after what's happened the last two times they've played. No doubt. Okay. Well, we got to figure it out. I'm sure Sankey is uh, listening. Sure, listening. Yeah. yeah, he's 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 gonna get uh, he's gonna get this all sorted out. We we, we won't go team by team. We'll 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 leave some suspense for everybody else. But uh, I'd be okay with either one of those three. I think Oklahoma and Arkansas are are no brainers. So Oklahoma, Arkansas, then pick your pick your favorite between Vandy, South Carolina, and Kentucky. If it's up to Dave and I, we'll be uh, we'll be we'll be Kentucky. Um, so anything else we need to hit on before we roll here, Dave? I think we've I think we've covered it all. It's been uh, it's a busy week, busy times for sure. And uh, hey, shout out to Mizzou wrestling. They they not only beat Iowa State the other night at home, number three Iowa State. They set a program record for attendance. They had like forty five hundred there, which is huge for wrestling. And uh, Brian Smith's team now has got a couple of weeks off before Big Twelve championships. It still sounds funny to say Big Twelve championships, and then the national championships. Both of them, I believe, are in Tulsa. Uh, so we'll see if they can get some guys on the podium here in a few weeks. When does Brian Smith get his statue? No kidding, man. I'm serious. Uh, everybody's everybody is always in a rush to give lifetime contracts to coaches after they have one big win in basketball or football, but that's the guy you need to lock up forever. If he's not teaching a required class of every required of every coach at, at Mizzou or even leader, then 
that's that's an oversight. <laughs> that's good. What he's done is amazing. Congrats to the wrestling team. I even saw some some folks from back home in Sedalia made the drive over for the big wrestling match. So um, it was a it was a big event there in Columbia. I'm glad we glad we mentioned it. Dave, good stuff. You'll have coverage of hoops throughout the weekend at stltoday.com. And we'll have it all covered at stltoday.com as the Tigers move toward the tournament as we move forward to finding out what the future of the SEC football schedule looks like. Keep it locked at stltoday.com. Check out the podcast anywhere you can find your podcast, whether it's, uh, you know, any place you download your podcast, you can find us there. I on the Tigers podcast. Do us a favor if you like it. Send it to a friend and tell them to check it out as well. And we'll talk to you next week. For Dave, I'm Ben. See you next time.